Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Osiris. And there it is. Hello, 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 hello. Hello to Ryan Storm and all of our other fans. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. The 40 for 40 edition. We have reached 2005. What a year. It's going to be a really wow. short episode because there are no fish shows in 2005. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for everybody for tuning in. Uh, we're going to play in, uh, 45 minutes of sponsor material. And <laughs> we, we will see you all in 2009. Just keep an eye out for these quick hit episodes. <laughs> no, um, we are talking today as it is the first year post fish supposedly post-fish, the intervening years. We are talking about the Benevento-Russo duo featuring Mike Gordon from April 27, 2005 in Athens, Georgia, a show that all of you out there should be familiar with at least one set of this show because there's one song and it is a very good fish song that is jammed for over 50 minutes. That is called Foam. And the rest of you 
who are not familiar with this should make yourself familiar. And you should also probably listen to the second set because it's pretty fun and the encore is really fun. And there's some really cool stuff here by Mike and the duo that we're all going to get into. And what does it mean? And where was the band at at this point in time? And what was the fish universe going through in the first year post fish as we work our way all the way back to the reunion shows in 2009, which feel so far away when we were talking about 2005. But before we get to that, we are one week away from Fish Tour. We have no idea what to expect. This is going to be a very cool tour, though, in the terms of the routing. We're going to some pretty classic venues. We are seeing a mini Baker's Dozen happen on the exact same dates that the original Baker's Dozen happened. Uh, we are returning to Dick's for four nights. And then we got a fall tour, a little fall tour. I think it's a fall run is how I would actually define it. It's, um, it's a tour. A run is one city when you play three nights in a city or two nights in a city, which they're doing on the tour multiple times. There's no jog. You you can't make up terms. You can't make (laughs) things up. It's a tour. It's a route. It's a a Midwestern route. uh, It's going to be fun to see them play indoors in Nashville, Dayton, and for some reason, the United Center in Chicago. I am utterly perplexed by that. Finally. There is no finally, guys. Have you ever been to the United Center? Nope. Still not gonna. Um, (laughs) Imagine if uh, you took that compressed beauty of Madison Square Garden, where everyone feels like they're on top of each other, where the band is right there, even though there's somehow 18,000 people in the room, and expanding that upwards, so you can look up at the towering minions above who are straining to listen to fish while the music gets lost somewhere around the jumbotron that is the united center oh i thought it was like the midwest msg i thought people in the midwest were gonna be like really happy about that no no Uh, this is the tour that they were probably going to get last year if fishman Mm -hmm. hadn't had to take some time away so i i'm sure the midwestern people who still are in the midwest are very excited for this tour unlike brian who is now really more of a colorado person who wears a cubs i am um (laughs) it's a very complicated relationship that i have here with sports especially since my kids all wear nuggets gear now it's really wild um But yes, we are going to be talking uh, over the next month or so about Fish Tour. We're still figuring out the scheduling from a quick hits and a recap standpoint, but you will hear from us. Um, We're very excited for this tour. A lot of fun venues, like I said. They played an amazing spring tour. All signs, it's the 40th year. All signs point towards a fun exciting inventive fish tour head but we have no idea that's the beauty of it nobody has any idea what's to come there's no album to promote there's a big old anniversary to celebrate but you know they only played one show 40 years ago so it's not as though they're like celebrating this big epic year it's just that creation of fish it should be fun but before but you know we get what to is all- going to happen yes. brian that i do know about is that osiris is going to have some really fun events this summer and True. so people should check them out we are going to be doing a recap and a live show at the ardmore before the man night two and i'll be there tom will be there rj will be there and we will be having a really fun chat and then we're gonna have some great musicians play and then they're gonna have a shuttle that you can take with us from the Ardmore to the Man, which is like 10 minutes away, I think. So everybody Sweet. should buy tickets for that and join us and party with us before the show. And then we're also going to be having some happy hours during the MSG run and also hopefully an HF Pod anth- anniversary party. So keep an eye out for all of that stuff. 
That all sounds fish. Fun. What, what, fish what turns is the, forty. We turn ten. What is a convenient yeah. website where everybody could find out all about those events? Does anybody know? Um, let me think. Oh, I think it's OsirisPod.com. There you go. There it is. I knew we'd get there. Yeah. <laughs> that all sounds great. So, that all sounds amazing. Um, I realize, you know, we've been talking a lot, setting the table here. I have not asked either of you how you are doing here today. Jonathan, I started with Megan on the bonus episode, so I'm going to start with Jonathan here. How are you doing today, Jonathan? Hot. Um, it's hot here in Virginia, and my air conditioning is off so that you can hear me clearly. So um, I'm hot, but I'm doing well. I will say, you know, fish-related, I did just recently... And I mean, recently I, I did receive my my farmhouse reissue vinyl oh, that's thing. Pretty. That looks really nice. And, uh, mm. Yeah, it's nice. It's a gatefold, unlike the original, which I have downstairs. Um, and they even put out a seven inch with a uh, mist and driver on it, which is really cool. That is so cool. The, the Fish Band website directly, and uh, it sounds beautiful. Studio versions of driver and mist. On mm. So Studio I'm missed. I'm I've been enjoying being here in my home office, listening to records with my air conditioning on. Uh, but now I'm talking to you without, and I'm still enjoying it. Still enjoying it. But I'm going to complain <laughs> a little more later. It's a little hotter <laughs> as you get hotter. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Who gets hotter, the foam jam or Jonathan? We will find out soon mm. enough. Meg, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. I'm at the beach. I get to swim in the ocean this morning with my daughters. Mm. I had a lobster roll for lunch. I'm going to have some seafood for dinner. I'm in the low country. We had like a big low country boil this week where we poured out oh, like, I love that. yeah, like corn and potatoes and shrimp and crab that had been like just steeped in beer and, and old bay. And, you know, you get like really messy fingers and it's just, it's been great. A lot of time with my family, a lot of time outside. I've read two books. It's been a great week. I just wrapped Actually up. Read a, a whole book on my vacation. It was it was amazing. Nice I was going to say I I just wrapped up a two week vacation. I read a book as well. It uh, it it, it would have been much more nice. timely to have that finished uh, for our previous bonus episode. But you know, literature is back in my life. It's a good thing. It's That's good. How are you, how are you doing, Brian? I'm good. I. Uh, I was out of I was out of town for about two-ish weeks uh, back in the Midwest. Spent some time at a little lake in northwest Minnesota with the family. Drove across Wisconsin. Mm. Spent a night in northern Wisconsin, uh, Eau Claire. Amazing town that I could. I, I have such a fascination with living in northern Wisconsin, and I could see myself living in a town like Eau Claire. Uh, visited a good friend in Milwaukee. Saw his brewery, which was really cool to see cool. in the flesh um and then spent a week with the family my kids were biking in the same street i learned how to bike in with kids of people who i went to high school with who now live in the area so it was like this very strange nostalgic trip um i was telling cars to slow down like my dad used to do when i was biking it was just <laughs> a lot of feels a lot of uh deep dish pizza a lot of Chicago hot dogs. Uh, the Cubs got yes. swept at home while I was in Chicago. It just was everything that you could have ever wanted in <laughs> Chicago all happened at once. Um, That's awesome. But I'm back now, and I'm really excited to webcast this upcoming 
fish tour. Um, why don't we dive into 2005 and dive into this show at hand? We've got a, a few things to get through before we get to the show. Meg, tell us where were you at as a person in 2005 and what was your relationship to fish like at this point in time? So in 2005, I was going to grad school to become a teacher. So I had decided to do that. So I was doing that and I was, you know, going out and I was enjoying my life. And, um, I'd met my husband. I was engaged. I got engaged in Tokyo that year. So I was really like excited to get married and, um, doing a lot of clubbing and, you know, having fun. It's amazing. You had gone, so you decided to go back to school this year or were you, did you go back in 04? Actually, I think I'm thinking wrong. I think I went back the year before because I think I was already in 2005. I was already back in New York. So yeah, I had graduated already and I was teaching then that year. So I had it wrong. Yeah. So I was, I had decided to go back. I went back and got my master's and then I was teaching already by 2005. Hmm. That's amazing. Jonathan, how about you? Uh... I had a couple kids. One was pretty small. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's all a blur. The, the odds are kind of fuzzy, man. Uh, because <laughs> I was commuting. I was uh, working. I was writing songs and not doing anything with them. Uh, Fish wasn't on tour. So I was seeing kind of random. I don't know. Not random. Like not bad random. But just kind of random shit. So uh, I can't even, I, like, I have to really study to put that year together. Um, and I'm, I, I didn't for this podcast because that sounds like work. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's okay. I, I think my timeline just got fucked up too. I'm sitting here, like, agreeing with you, Jonathan. Like, I don't even remember, like, what was going on then. So I agree. Fine. It's hard. It's a long time I mean, ago. that was just, like, six years ago, though. So you'd think I'd know. Oh, right. No. It's a long time ago. It's 18 years ago. That's a wow. whole high school graduate ago. This show could graduate high school. <laughs> and probably oh, just did like last month. probably just did. So. And you can tell when you look at the YouTube videos from the show we're going to talk about how long ago <laughs> <YouTube>. it was. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it's funny you say that because, you know, I was just back home and I was running. I love running at sea level when I leave Denver because I like suddenly can run longer and faster. It's really amazing. Oh, wow. I never thought um, about that. Yeah, it's it's I, I I can like double whatever I do here in Denver in uh, Chicago. It's amazing. But I was running by all these I'm a houses. Superstar. I know. I was like, oh, I can I can totally do this now. Um, and I was running by all these houses that had signs up about high school graduates. And I was like, when the hell were kids born if they graduated in mm. two thousand three? I was like, oh my god, they were born in two thousand five. Like I just. Right. I was in college at this point in time. It really made me feel old for a second. I was like, these kids like look at this town the way that I did in 2003, but they weren't even alive. They hadn't even been conceived at this point in time. It's crazy. The, the child that I had at the end of 2003, you guys remember 2003? We talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. Is downstairs on the sofa watching TV after work after <laughs> for their summer home from college. Wow. That's bananas. So figure that out. It's insane. I can't. I can't. It's too weird. I was living at um, my favorite house, 
probably ever lived in. Uh, 305 Connell and Ronald on the corner of Connell and Ronald Avenue in Missoula, Montana, three blocks from the University of Montana campus. I was living there with a couple of my buddies. There was a lot of shifting roommates at that point in time. Two of us stayed all the time and we brought on a new roommate and then brought on another roommate who slept on the couch for most of it and paid <laughs> us in beer which my parents were kind of like, we're not seeing any of that money. What is what is going on here? You know how much we rented our house for in 2005? Like a three-bedroom bungalow in Missoula, Montana? $1,200 a month. It's now like a $1.5 million house. I'm like some That's most amazing. valuable real estate in Montana. Um, but I was listening to a lot of music that was not fish. I was trying to educate myself as much as possible in indie rock. I was getting into a ton of new music. Um this was the year that like, Dylan had clicked for me a year prior, but this was the year that mm-hmm. I just did the complete dive off the cliff into his entire discography and tried to understand everything was going on. Um, we're in between at this point in time, love and theft and modern times is starting to be hinted out. The Scorsese documentary on Dylan came out in September, 2005, which was a huge, huge moment for me in terms of learning about him and in terms of learning further about sixties culture. Um, I also two formative moments in my life that were not the most positive things happened in 2005. First, I got fired from the only job I've ever gotten fired from my entire life. Uh, that summer I was working at a uh, restaurant and I just, I didn't really like it. I just didn't really like it. And I just kind of didn't show up a couple of times and I was asked politely to not come back. Uh, what were you a waiter? What was your job? I was, I was, a a line cook mm. and I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And I was, <laughs> I had no one to tell me like, you should probably just go to the job. Um, that kind so that of happened. That kind it's, of work. It's hard um, work. Yeah. It's very hard work. I but would go I, back and work in restaurants for probably the next decade. And I ended up loving it, but I did not love that restaurant. I got to tell you, getting fired is quite a thing. You should try it more often. <laughs> <laughs> I called my mom right afterwards and she was like, so how are you going to pay for all the fun stuff that you do? And I was like, oh, I didn't think about that part. Um, <laughs> I'll get a so new I just, kinda, I just hung out and downloaded a bunch of records and listened to him. Um, smoked Keef because it was all that I had, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Times are tough, man. Times are tough, dude. The other thing was I, I had the worst semester I've ever had in college in the fall of 2005, which led me to go home. All and that Keef. It was yeah. all, like, it's all come my shit sense. in order. And I came back in 2006 and uh, absolutely crushed school, which, which was a good thing. So 2005 was a year of like, Hey, let's fuck around and see how much we can fuck around and how quickly we're going to find out. And I found out pretty quickly. <laughs> Didn't take long. No. Um, wow. Should we jump into what was happening in 2005 outside of the world of fish? You mean outside of our own lives? Outside of our own lives. Um, I want to say... So I was not here for the 2003 episode, which will forever break my heart, even though you guys did an absolutely amazing job. Everyone brought their A-game. Thank you for the shout outs. Thank you for defending Thunderhead, Jonathan. That meant more to me than you will probably ever know. Um, But Jonathan introduced something during that episode that we are going to bring back for all future 40 for 40, because it's a better idea than the one I had. I brought to the table the top five lists of movies, music, TV, because I kind of wanted to show what was going on with pop culture. 
But I realized as we're going through the 90s, there's just a lot of shit. And it just turned into kind of like a complain bitch fest for me. And I don't want to do that to you. I don't, I don't really like that. I don't want to bring that to the table. And Jonathan brought, here are a bunch of records that came out in 2003 that I liked. And every record he said, I was like, oh, fuck, I like that. Oh, man, I like that. And I realized this will lead to more positive conversation. So I'm going to bring to the table, it also elicits something that... uh Brian likes a lot, which is really long lists. So sorry, <laughs> your fault, Jonathan. Um, so Thanks, Jonathan, <laughs> I'm I the thought table. it was going to be a little more compact. <laughs> mm-hmm. In successive episodes from 2005 onward, we will cover what was good about TV, what was good about movies, what was good about music to give you the positive reinforcement. Who cares about the top list? Who cares? They don't represent anything other than the majority of Americans who. Um, Vote in elections, which is America, crazy. I'm just right? going to say, I kind of liked it because it made me laugh. And it actually rem- reminded me like where I was at the time and like what the rest of the world was doing while I continued to live in like my own little universe. But I'm on board for this new change. Let's see how it goes. I think you're going to like this more. Okay. I believe so. We'll see. Um, so television, it. some of the important TV moments of 2005. Six Feet Under, really, really good prestige show <sighs> from HBO. Love it had its finale. That summer, um, that is uh, one of show. the greatest finales in all of television. If you don't know the show, yeah, I'm remembering watch that. Watch it all; it's perfect. It's a really incredible, good show. incredible writing, and one of those shows that, like, at the time when HBO had The Sopranos, they were not on in 2005. The Wire was not on in 2005, but those two shows were reigning supreme in a lot of cases. To have some like six feet under that showed this other side of prestige storytelling was was really cool. Um, season two of Deadwood, maybe my favorite season of Deadwood, amazing show that came out in 2005. The West Wing's final season begins, excellent show about the... It's basically Aaron Sorkin just hoping that the world thinks like him. And sometimes I really agree with it and I love it. But other times I'm like, dude, you're insane. Um, And network TV had a a great moment with season one and two of House. Did you guys ever watch this show? This was a great stone show. I remember when that was on. This is a great great show. It's like the last network television show I ever watched. Anything else that you guys have from television in 2005? I didn't even look it up. I don't think I watched TV in 2005. No, I don't. Just avoided it. I'm sure I did because I was uh, home with a little kid, but uh, I don't don't know. A lot of afternoons with Ellen DeGeneres, I'm guessing. No. (laughs) I actually worked during the day (laughs) (laughs) at a job. Back then you had to go to a job back in the olden times. You did. Yeah, and I think like now that I'm piecing this together, I think I actually was living in Boston and going to grad school in 2005. And I don't think that I you can't change your story now. No, I, I think no, I was. I'm sorry. It's just it's it's in stone. It's out there in a podcast. <laughs> By the end of this episode, Megan is going to realize what happened in 2005 and is going to share it all. Then I can't wait. <laughs> I don't know, but I think I was, and so I don't think I was watching much TV because I think I was going to grad school at night and teaching during the day because I was teaching while I went to grad school. I did like one of those programs where you teach during the day to do your like student teaching, and then you go to classes at night. So that's what I was doing. It's that all fit in place. That's my final story. It was so Hey, busy. you don't know how to teach yet, but hey, get yeah, in front of a bunch of kids while you learn how to do it. That's pretty much what they do with teaching. Yeah. It's how they be driving remember, in North Dakota. Yeah. See, and Michigan. Um, I remember like this point in my life, I would try to like watch a movie, but I'd be so tired that I would always fall asleep. So I, I feel like I consumed like no content. My wife still does that. Yeah. <laughs> 
that year. It's a great segue as well because movies of 2005, this is a very controversial year. This is the year that Crash mm-hmm. won the best picture, which is... Um, did see that movie. That is a... It's a movie. It happened. It's a thing. Racism apparently is a part of American lives and everybody touches it. It was uh, it was quite a movie. Um, should not have won best picture. I will just say that. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I'm not going to share it here because this is a positive thread. It's not even on my list. I don't even know why I'm talking about it. There are so many good movies that came out in 2005. Do you want to know what some of them are? Yeah. Yes. Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. This movie holds up. I watched it a couple weeks ago. Everything up until the last 15 minutes is amazing. Uh, the new, the, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy starts with Batman Begins. Mm. Incredible, incredible uh, origin cool story. Cool Brokeback Mountain probably should have won Best Picture. Ooh, Beautiful that film. That should have won Best Picture. Amazing movie. Amazing. Uh, well, Walk you know, the Line. It, it wasn't like completely ripped off from Magnolia. So yeah, it would probably... <laughs> Probably should have won. Or traffic. Or yeah. traffic. Yeah. Uh, walk the line with um why the hell am I blanking on Reese his Witherspoon name? And, Reese Witherspoon um, and um Joaquin Phoenix. That uh, was so the, good. I love that movie. Capote, Philip Seymour Hoffman, beautiful film. That was good too. Uh, amazing acting performance from PSH. Uh Syriana, one of my favorite movies of the year, tapped into my uh education at the time of Islamic history. George Clooney put on like a hundred pounds for the movie and got his fingernails pulled off. Crazy stuff. Uh, the constant gardener, beautiful movie. If you guys haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. Just devastating stuff. Uh, Ray Fines and, uh, Rachel Weiss. Uh, oh, she yeah. plays a NGO employee who gets, she fucks around and finds out. Let's just say stuff that happens. Um, <laughs> stuff happens. Um, Star Wars episode three, the final prequel, actually a good movie holds up much better than the first two. Uh, kingdom of heaven, a history of violence, all caps for me, the squid and the whale, Noah Baumbach's breakout film, mm. Jeff Daniels, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, unbelievable movie, uh, Steve Martin and Claire Danes and shop girl, George Clooney directed Good Night and Good Luck about Edward R. Murrow. Loved that movie. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Jarhead, Incredible War film, and Munich, another Steven Spielberg movie. So uh, some really, really good movies that came out throughout 2005 that are all, I would argue, better than Crash. Um, Music (laughs) from 2005. Remember music? Remember music? Do you know what the number one song in America was the week that this show happened? No, I do not. Is it a Maggie 50 references cent song? Are, it's a 50 cent song. It's candy shop. Yes. yes, I knew it. I knew it. Because literally <laughs> I was going out to the clubs a lot these years and like you could not escape 50 cent. Like it was literally like every club you went to, they were pumping 50 cent. When yeah. I was in Tokyo dancing in a club, they were playing 50 cent. I really loved the only time I've ever been to clubs in my life was in uh, South Korea because um, they're Were just they awesome. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. Um, and they would always play the shittiest American pop music. And yeah. I, just, I would be three or four sojus deep and just having the best time. Um, but there were some great albums that came out in 2005. We talk about this on our mm-hmm. bonus episode, uh, which you should check out. You should become a bonus subscriber to Osiris Pod dot com um or osiris media um so some great albums that came out in 2005 sufjan stevens illinois 
Kanye West late registration, the strokes first impression of earth, self-titled LCD sound system album, bright eyes, wide awake. It's morning animal collectives feels the nationals alligator Gordo and Leo Kotke, 66 steps, Sugaro talk. I'm on jacket Z spoon. Give me fiction. Clap your hands. Say, yeah, the self-titled album. This is one of the, someone just like passed me this CD and was like, this band just blew up in New York city. Check it out. And you could hear them in all across America. It sounded, this was, this is an amazing album that they've, they've made some good music since then. They, they, but they were, they were a 2005, like blow up indie blog rock band. Uh, the hold steady separation Sunday, silver Jews, Tanglewood numbers, Devanger Banhart, cripple Creek, smog, a river ain't too much to love low. The great destroyer, Train Stasio Shine, Neil Young's Prairie Wind, and Daniel Lenoir's Belladonna. Jonathan, I know I've forgotten a couple. Tell me yeah, what I got. I got my little yeah. list here. Um, <laughs> you, you got some good ones in there, but um, here's a few worth mentioning. Bright Eyes, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning. An absolutely stunningly good record. Um, record. Uh, what do we got? Decemberist, Picaresque. Oh, good call. If you like the Decemberists, you like that record. It's a good one. Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, Naturally. Ockerville River, Black Sheep Boy. Mm, that is that is a good record. Um, Leo Kaki, Mike Gordon, 66 Steps. Did you say that one? I said that. I said that in Bright Eyes, but I'm one. glad that you okay. said them twice to reemphasize. Oh, okay. I, so I tried to pay attention, but I realized too late I wasn't checking them off. And yeah, I guess that is really it other than like Wilco kicking television, um, which is a live record and maybe doesn't count. Um, good stuff. There's always good stuff. That's the thing. It's like we were doing the list before of all the, like, the big hits. That's not necessarily the good stuff. There's good yeah. stuff. There's, There's good, stuff good stuff. Anybody who comes to you in December and says there weren't any good albums this year or at any point in the year, they're wrong. Completely. They're just not finding it. They're not looking for it. They need to ask their friends. Maybe they need new friends, but um, <laughs> they're not, you know, if there's good music every year, all the time. I have a running list of my favorite records of this year right now, and it just crossed 100. It is halfway through the year. It is a very, very, very good year of music always because there are people that are always putting out good music no matter what. Um, yeah, that maybe Bright that Eyes record. Our, our next uh, bonus episode is uh, good music this year so far. But go ahead. Bright that, Eyes record. Oh, yeah. That Bright Eyes record is just perfect. It is like, I, 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 like I was 20 years record. old. You what? I like to drive to that record. Mm. Yeah. You know, every word. I was 20 years old when that record familiar. came out. And it was the kind of, I get the sentiment about my feelings around that record that someone who is in their early 20s now has around like Phoebe Bridgers, where it just mm-hmm. felt like emotionally, from a yearning standpoint, from a, I know enough to speak about things, but in reality, I don't actually know anything. Like that energy of being. 20 24 25 years old just like lives in that album and every time i listen to it i go back to that period in time i mean that album came out when i was in my 30s right and i still go right to it though i recognize the types of characters (laughs) in this record i recognize Mm -hmm. the source of that voice and uh yeah i go back to it a lot Meg, any other music that we need to talk about with 2005 or are we ready to walk into Meg's corner 
in Mike's I think we're ready to rock in. We just didn't talk about B from Common, which is one of my favorite albums of that year. Please tell us. Yeah, just a great album. Check it out. You know, a Common is like really at that point, there's kind of like this thing that's going on in hip hop in the early 2000s where there's like people who are getting more like negative and it's becoming more kind of like dark and gangster like. And then there's like Common and De La Soul and people who are in Tribal Quest and Jurassic 5 who are still holding on to like the old kind of like original style of hip hop with like soul and funk and really great samples and just a real earnestness and a positivity about the future and about um, the black community. And I think Common is someone who really represents that. And I've always just like loved that about him. And this album is a good example of that. I love that. Preach. Let's dive into Meg's Corner here. In a Mike-centric episode, it is so fitting that we have Meg's Corner to turn to. What was going on with Fish or not Fish in 2005? Yeah, I mean, with the band, the only thing that's really happening in 2005 is that they're going to form Jump Records, right? So that's going to happen kind of like in 2005 to release CD and archival DVD sets, and they're going to release Fish New Year's Eve from 1995 this year. And um, that's going to be named the 42nd greatest live album of all time by Rolling Stone in 2015. What do they know? And they're so wrong. (laughs) I mean, 42 is a great number, but what do they know? They don't know. Yeah. But, you know, it's they're at least there. So at least they're getting that, which I feel like a lot of times they're not. I mean, they're still not in the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Anyway, um, you know, 2005 is like, full of side projects for Trey and Mike. Like they're doing so much. It's almost overwhelming to keep up with it. And putting it all together was pretty crazy. Like Trey is touring with Tab and 70 Volt Parade. So they do like a big spring tour and then they play Bonnaroo and then they have a tour that's supposed to happen that doesn't. They have this Zuma Zuma tour. I think the name is why it didn't work out. It's a terrible name. Um, (laughs) It sounds like Zumba, which I don't know if that like was around then, but it's a bad name. And they were going to headline with Ben Harper. And it was a really ambitious tour. They had 29 shows planned that was supposed to go through like, you know, mid-June until the end of July. And um, it was canceled because of low ticket sales. I don't know if either of you like – knew about that or we're gonna go oh or yeah I would, yeah recurring meme with some friends of mine and myself uh you know big news zuma canceled uh yeah we bring it up every now and then um <laughs> it was uh, we here's why it was canceled because it's prime audience people like myself kind of yeah. scoffed at it we're like really and um and too many of us did that, I guess. Sorry, Trey. Yeah. Sorry, I'm Dan looking Parker. at, um, man, this is crazy. I am looking at uh, the tour routing from summer 2005. I forgot about this. Yeah. The venues are the venues that Trey played four years prior mm-hmm. with Tab. Um, and then in some of them, he returned to like PNC, Jones Beach, Great Woods, Hershey, Virginia Beach. Uh, Atlanta, Charlotte, Cincinnati, Raleigh, MPP, 
Camden. Like these are all big venues that like in 2001, there was a huge appetite for Trey Solo. And he didn't sell out a lot of those shows, but he had enough people coming out, coming that they could justify it. Um, SPAC, I mean, it's crazy. And then you look at, wow, there's so many shows that were getting 29. That is so many. That's a really big tour that was canceled. I I didn't know about this until I did this like for this episode and I was shocked. And then he goes on stage with the uh Seven Evil Parade crew crew. Yeah, and, and uh, then he does like a, a summer tour like a little bit in late July and then mostly in August with them. And then he's got a busy fall. They have a huge fall tour in September. He does like um the Comes a Time, the Jerry Garcia tribute. Um, which kind of foreshadows fairly well, right? With he's like with Bob and Mickey and Bill and a bunch of other people from the dead community, like Hornsby and Chimenti and Donna Jean and stuff. And then they do that at the Greek theater in Berkeley in September. And then, yeah, he's on tour with Tab. They do a huge fall tour. Kreitzman and Mickey Hart come on stage with them at the Warfield. Tab plays the Tonight Show, Jay Leno. And then they play New Year's Eve at MSG, opening up for the Black Crows, which is the most 2005 thing I have ever heard in my life. I just, it makes me like sick to my stomach. (laughs) I'm just, I'm remembering the Dave and Friends tour that happened as well in October. And uh, this is just, I think there's an argument to be made. That this is the saddest year in fish history. It's so sad. Look, I mean... There are things going on with fish in these years, or excuse me, with Trey in these years that we don't want to pretend weren't happening, but we don't have to like. We don't got to dwell. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and, you know, Mike is doing a lot of touring and he's touring with the Benevento Russo duo that we're going to talk about today, which is super awesome. And he started playing with them in 2004 and he did a bunch of shows in 2005 with them. The night before the show we're going to talk about, they play a mini set at the Jammies. The Jammies. Remember the the Jammies? jammies? The Jammies. Right. I loved it. They're going to play at Bonnaroo. And then in the fall and summer, Mike is going to go on tour with Leo Kotke. So like he's doing some cool stuff. And then at the end of the year, for a very short time, Trey, Mike, and Bill Kreitzman are going to have a band called Serial Pod. (laughs) Basically one show (laughs) for the Warren Haynes Christmas Jam. And uh, I love it. I love that show. You guys should go find it and listen to it. It's actually, it's is it cool. Good? Yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, good is a whole other sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty good, but it's not. Um, like I would like to see that band happen again. I just would like to share before we dive into the positive aspects of the show for the last thirty minutes because this Mike yes. Gordon. Benevento Russo uh, show is amazing. I went and saw 70 Volt Parade on August 10th, 2005 at the Northern Island Pavilion. I had a great idea that day. I was back home in Chicago for about three weeks. I had a great idea that I was going to go to the Cubs game with a couple of friends and they were playing the Reds and the Cubs were, it was a very big series. The Cubs were trying to stay in the playoff race and we had seats pretty close to the dugout but like right in the sun and I was, <laughs> I was 20, but I had a pretty good fake ID. And so I was just like 
pounding old styles in the sun and the Cubs lost the game eight to nothing. And um, basically all of our playoff hopes were like dashed in that series. And I took the train down to millennium park and then walked to Northern Island and was walking off a day drunk and got to the show, met some friends. Trey came on stage and played the worst fish related concert I've ever seen, even worse than Vegas 04. And I walked out of that and I was just like, you know, I've been not, I've not been listening to a lot of fish over the last year and with good reason. And I don't think I'm going to be doing it a lot going forward. It made me very sad. Mm. And there were a lot of just like hazy emotions throughout the day. And I, I, I left the scene for about two and a half years after that. It was, uh, it was not a fun time. Well, I'd like to follow up that little story and and in doing so lead us to talk about please this, uh, let's do it mike gordon with benevento russo duo show on 426 2005 the day before this while mike and the duo were at the jammies i was in richmond virginia at the landmark theater seeing trey anastasio with 70 volt parade uh, we walked out during the encore. I had second row seats or something like that. It was, we were sitting super close and it was, I can't, I'm not, I'm a little surprised now that we got that far into the show. Yeah. So yeah. then the next night in Athens, Georgia, At a the duo tour with capacity. Mike Gordon. Yeah. And <laughs> they stroll off. in and it's, it's an undersold show. And, yeah. you know, I, there's stories that Benevento talks about. They had rented a, a convertible for this tour and there was no like tour guys with them, no rig, like it was just the three of them. And they rented a convertible and they were driving around trying to talk to girls in, <laughs> in Athens. And then they get to the show. It's like a thousand person capacity and there's like not that many people there. So then they're just like backstage and like, this sucks. Like nobody's going to be here. Like, what should we do? And Gordon's like, let's play foam for the whole first set. So this is how we know that Mike Gordon understands the internet. Yeah. (laughs) The duo and Mike come out and play an hour long foam and tickets for all the rest of the shows start disappearing because word got out immediately. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know, internet 1.0 back then. I mean, jam PT went crazy. Com was a real thing. <laughs> uh, PT was like a thing. Uh, and everybody found out, everybody got hyped, everybody started going. And they didn't do it again. But what did they do? They played foam for 51 and a half minutes. Live Fish eventually put it out, just the first set, the foam. And it's killer. <laughs> Which is it's, also kind of funny to me, but yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <yeah>. It's <laughs> like, it's, we're just going to do this. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, this is the song, like, this is a fish composed song. Yeah. It's Trey Anastasio song. Uh, Mike sings it, interestingly, eventually. Um, like, I don't know. Lines of it. Yeah. Who wants to take us into this? Like, who, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of detailed notes here because I never do. No, I do. Um, I, I picked the thing. I will point that out to everybody and take blame. But killer pick. Uh, well, can I ask, like, as, as a way to get into this? Um, yeah. We spent probably too long, you know, just savagely <laughs> taking apart um, what Trey Anastasia was doing in two thousand five. We love but, you. 
Yes, we do. Um, What led you to pick this? What what made you think as we're going through the intervening years between Coventry and Hampton 09 that this was representative of what was going on in 2005 for fish? Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about Music Masters Collective, a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Stephen Page, Justin Furstenfeld, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe and special guests from Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and so much more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open and spots are already filling up, so register soon. Scholarships are also available and spots are extremely limited, so visit magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. That's magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. Well, kind of what I said before, you know, we don't want to deny some things happened that weren't necessarily positive. But we don't want to dwell on that, even though uh, I guess we did. Mm -hmm. I guess we did dwell a little. Um, This is some killer shit right here. If I can, you know, use highfalutin language. Um, This is (laughs) like I I picked this because, you know, I was like, well, what else happened? Uh, I know where I was the night before. I don't want to I don't want to cover that show. I don't want to listen to it again. What else happened? This happened. Mike and Leo happened. Um, I brought the Jazz Mandolin Project show that we covered. You guys covered. I wasn't even there. Oh, uh, we loved a it a couple of weeks ago, right? And and I, to me, that kind of stuff is like it's easily forgotten now that Fish mm. is back. I mean, Fish has been back for thirteen years, fourteen years. Math is tricky, um, and so it's easy to forget that eighteen years ago uh, we didn't have Fish, and we didn't this think we'd stuff, ever have them. Right. Yeah. We, never, we didn't think we were ever going to have them, but this stuff was happening and it lit up the internet when it did happen. I think it's a really good justification. I think it's, I think this is the perfect show to do this year. Cause I think you're right. Like the 
easy thing to do in a lot of these intervening years is to go towards whatever Trey was doing because it is kind of the loudest and in mm-hmm. it's it's either you know the most popular thing that was going on from a non-fish but fish standpoint or in some cases it's the strongest in 2005 it is definitely not the strongest he was taking some risks that were um, not very well rewarded in the immediate nor in intervening years mike gordon though and my first i'll just come out with a hyperbolic uh hot take maybe probably not hot take because i don't think this is a hot take uh mike gordon at this point in time was the peak of fish creativity what he was doing Mm. was the spirit of fish with guys like joe russo and marco beneveno who were 27 28 at the time mm-hmm. like these were young dudes who were cutting their teeth and trying to figure out a way to get ahead in their career playing with someone like mike who it i remember when this tour was announced i remember when these shows were happening because um, i was still on fantasy tour at the time that was my internet forum that was where i got a ton of music that was non-fish related um great great threads on there uh at this point but like people were freaking out about this because it was Mike with these young kids. Whereas Trey was kind of playing with Mike was playing with these young kids. Yes. Well, the other thing kind of just to go with what you said, because everything you said is totally right. Um, uh, I I will allow that Mike would probably (laughs) would probably um, I look, I pointed it out because it's actually true. (laughs) (laughs) Mike would probably prefer we or want us to talk about the Mike Gordon band, but I can't imagine he's not proud of this. The 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 thing that part of why this lit up the Internet on top of what you said is that it made it very clear that Mike Gordon isn't the one who didn't want to jam. Mike mm-hmm. Gordon isn't the one. It, it wasn't Mike. Mike says no is a meme that we had back then. Yeah. But it's not because of Mike. This is this is the experimental side of fish channeled through Mike, but with musicians who at the time were clear headed, who were tighter. I mean, they were ready to go. Yeah, Russo and Benevento, one of the beauties of them is that they uh, they play in this like kind of loose, elongated, kind of amorphous style that it works. So never out of the pocket, but it I'm going to say this complimentary. It sounds sloppy in a really cool way where it sounds like it's just like it's conversational. It's a really good way to put it. And Fish in 2004 was not very conversational. And Train 2005 was not very conversational. It was a lot of like, hey, this is happening right now. Here we go. And they would just go. And for Mike, this is an opportunity to be like walking that razor's edge and trying to figure out how to communicate with these guys. It's probably really challenging for him, but also clearly very fun. Well, and you can see it too if you watch any of the footage from this, and you can watch footage from this on YouTube and stuff. They are, you can see them communicating and enjoying it. Like they're looking at each other, like, oh, wow, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. And you can hear them echoing each other. And what's cool about this foam is it's very much like I see a lot of J Rad now, and this is how they kind of play as they often start by jamming and like jam their way into a song. And so then the kind of build up peak is the song and you land in that, which I think is just so cool and so different from what a lot of bands do. 
And I think that it it's like what's happening in this film, right? So you start with Mike like leading us in in these like dark notes and it's like swirling. Marco's like swirling on the organ and it feels like you're like in a dream and walking down like a path, like a garden path. And then Russo is being like super patient, which is – it has like a lackadaisical feeling to his drumming, which is super different from how he usually is. He's really aggressive and fast and like moves the pace just drives usually, but he's really unhurried here. And it feels like you're falling down like the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. You know, you can hear Mike like starting to toy with the foam notes and then Marco's like echoing them, but they kind of sound kind of frayed at the edges. And then Marco's doing like droning notes and it sounds almost like he's playing the guitar and like he's doing a lot of looping. And then Brusso starts in with like this driving beat. And it's just, I feel like this is the point when you like turn to your friend and you're like, Let's eat everything we have. Like, don't say no. anything. Like, like empty your pockets. Like, this is it. Like, this is the moment. Like, this shit is going down tonight. Like, I I think this start, like, the first, like, No 10, idea 15, what that means. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't do that, but I heard people that do. Um, and the first 15 minutes of this song is just, it's awesome. It's so cool. I mean, it's just an absolute joy to listen to. It's like you're... Yeah, it's just like you're in this little journey. And and I think that whole this whole journey like works so well together too. Like I think you get like a soul funk section with Russo and Mike, like really like getting into it. Then it gets like really quiet. And then you hear the song come in and Mike sings like the first like line of it and like stretches it all out. And it was so cool to hear it. I was thinking about Brian, how we were talking when we were talking about the Trey Trio, how like when there's only three musicians on stage, you really get to hear them. Yeah. And that's what I like loved about this is like you can isolate them so easily and hear Mike and he just sounds so incredible, super funky. It's like it builds to like a madman crescendo, then gets really quiet. It's just it's beautiful. I think this this version of foam is like how I wish every version of foam was because foam's not my favorite song. But this is like now I love this. Shout out also to uh, Marco's. uh, lengthwise teases in there because mm, they just mm-hmm. somehow they just land perfectly <laughs> uh and that's a song that they did later on in the tour um and and they did a number of fish and mike songs including mike's song and whatnot uh elsewhere on this tour uh this show the set two i think has just cars truck buses i think that's the only fish yeah. tune on it yeah. but um you know it's just, I think we've kind of said it. It's funny, like we can condense a 50 minute tune into like 10 minutes, but it, it's uh, it's kind of hard to describe with unless we annotated every passage. Uh, you, you've got to hear it if you haven't heard it. If you heard it, you know why. It's, it's largely amorphous. It comes, it, they're so tight though, as they move in these, through these various sections, this is like, uh, you know, like a Memphis tweezer or something, you know, it's like those kinds of things in that they, they lock in, even when they feel loose, they're clearly closely communicating and Mm -hmm. moving together in and out. I, I got it. I love Marco's kind of a uh, ragged sounding, like overdriven keyboard sound yes. tones throughout this, uh, throughout just his whole sound at this time. And, uh, and yeah, I, I really love hearing 
Mike lock in with Joe Russo on drums. So good. Yeah. I mean, a couple moments that like really hit me that lengthwise riff along with foam, it does something that I think is really fascinating about where these guys specifically Benevento and Russo's career is going to go, where they're weaving together two very different songs from a single band into a jam package in the way that you're talking, Meg, where like, when they play Grateful Dead, they're not just playing the Grateful Dead song. They're jamming into a Grateful Dead song, and then they're immediately jamming out of it in a way that is very atypical to the way that the Grateful Dead did. Right. And they're putting this yeah. reinvention on a song. And even when a song begins, it's still kind of like – I think about like they, they opened the show I saw a month ago with The Wheel, and that's the kind of song that feels – at its best, like it's, it's floating in, in air and it like could be ripped apart to shreds, like in a moment, like it's just so delicate. And they played it in a way that emphasizes the delicacy, uh, you know, that yeah. how, how just like how much it could just like fall apart uh, in, in that moment. But you hear them learning on the fly, almost how to reinvent another band's catalog and how to make it their own, but also honor it in a lot of cases. Um, but so that moment, 1625, we're finally in foam proper, but like we're only there for a moment. You know, it's like very momentary. Yeah, right. Steps yeah. along the way. Um, the post foam jam, because foam lasts for about five, six minutes without even the lyrics during this yeah. period in time. There's this jam around 27 minutes that gets into like some of the most free jazz space uh, so far of the jam. It reminded me a ton of that jazz mandolin project show that we listened to for the 2002 episode, where you hear that like, there are these alternate angles of where fish could have gone. And it's fascinating to me that you get Trey with surrender to the air. You get Fishman with jazz mandolin project, uh, page, uh, to a certain degree with, um, his record that came out in 2013 that I'm blanking on right now. Um, movies, something uh, went untold or, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, movies that were never made and, and Thank you. songs that were never something like that. Right. It's kind of experimental. It's it's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And you get yeah. Mike playing with Benevento Russo here. Like these guys all have a foot in that free jazz jamming space that enters Fish's world and has entered it more prominently in certain eras. But at the end of the day, Fish is a rock band. So it's like a side of them that these guys want to throw themselves into every so often. Um, yes, it's called Unsung Cities and Movies Never Made. Thank you. I knew there was great record. Um, Two other segments, 30 to 33 minutes. Sounds like Radiohead. It sounds like Mm -hmm. they're playing the song 15 step, which would not come out on a record for two years. And Mike (laughs) would then go on and play. Um, And that's around the time that like the foam lyrics enter in a really strange Mm -hmm. manner. And Mike sings that falsetto where he's do have uh, a mix them. Mixomitosis in their catalog at the time they played right. it later in May. Mm. You're right, you're right. Um, he sounds like Tom York. Um, and then 40 minutes, we're in this kind of like dream zone of jamming, like yes. you were talking about, Meg, that like dream space where you're kind of walking along and the walls are hazy and everything. But I don't know, I, I found this to be really fascinating. It was insightful, like Jonathan said earlier, in terms of. Mike was not the one who wanted to stop playing and whatever he could do to play in a band that allowed him to be free and experiment while also playing with his own band, while also playing with Leo Kotke, just so many different sides to him, which is something I just feel like we don't get as much today. Like this was a picture of Mike at, 
I don't want to say an artistic peak, his artistic peak, but maybe a artistic peak for him where he just, he was tapped into creativity and it really just came down to, are there guys that are going to match me where I'm at and we're going to end up playing together? It was probably like freeing for him a little bit to, you know, be out of Trey's space in that space where he kind of gets to decide what he's doing. And like, you know, I think that Trey is, you know, clearly a genius and that's probably like intense to be in a band with someone like that who you're kind of deferring to. And they've talked about that. And we've talked about that in this series, you know, about like issues with who's writing the songs or who's picking the album songs. And, you know, I think that it was probably nice for Mike to be able to go out on his own a little bit. Interesting that they do a Trey song. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it is a song that <laughs> showcases Mike beautifully. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it is. Uh, tr- go ahead. Uh, well, I, I, I think that thought was winding on, you know, it showcases Mike beautifully uh, when fish plays it. And of course also here uh, because his, part in this song is absolutely critical the song doesn't work yeah without this kind of this bass part that is i even though it may have been written on charts by trey and i kind of think it was you know the way it sounds is entirely mike gordon so it's interesting based on what we've all been talking about like i hadn't even really considered the fact that there are a lot of easier fish songs that they could have played and jammed for 50 minutes. And instead yeah. they, p- they pick one of the most intricate charted out fish songs that is just easier like, is not the mission. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, it's, it's fascinating that they would, that they would uh, dive into this. Um, this brought up for me a thought that I'd be curious your thoughts on. Um, could you see, cause Marco Benevento and Joe Russo are only in their mid forties. Could you see in like the next 10, 15 years, these guys who have tapped into the sounds of the grateful dead doing the same sort of thing for fish. Or do you think that that is something for an unknown future band that is in their twenties trying to figure out where they're going to go next? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think these guys, I wouldn't be shocked to see them play with Mike or even Trey or any kinds, any of those kinds of things. But I feel like it's, you know, J-Red is a thing that they hit upon without trying, you know, it was a band that was kind of formed for a New York City Freaks event and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a lightning in a bottle sort of thing. And, uh, and good for them because it, you know, it's probably helping pay a lot of bills. So that's awesome. I don't think that it is their ambition to be a fish cover band or just be the cover band band. Uh, I just think that's just the life they're living. I wouldn't be, I, I I'm looking forward to future like duo work if they could and would just get out there and do some of that for us. That'd be rad. Um, I think somebody else will take hold of the yeah me too whatever it is that you know cover band or tribute band or reinterpretation of fish band i mean we're already generations past some of those but there were dead cover bands going back into the 70s Uh, i touch on that in this next upcoming breakdown podcast by the way um just a teaser Ooh, love it um should we dive into set two quickly? I mean, I just have a few highlights. I have a few songs yeah, I liked, but mm-hmm. go ahead. Why don't you start, Brian? Well, I just think um, 
It's interesting to hear it in conjunction with the foam because the foam yeah. has enough moments of familiarity and then jamming, which, you know, I think part of what made that jazz mandolin project uh, show so fun is that a lot of that felt like a big free jam. Um, yeah. And there was more for me to like, f- I was trying to focus as much as I could on these songs because I was, I'm honestly not familiar with a ton of Mike's solo material. And I don't know where there's a bleed between these are Mike songs or these are Benevento Russo's duo songs that Mike is playing on. But for me, the big, uh, the big hits were uh, the second song, which is noted on Relisten as Clean Up Woman, but is noted on uh, the on Fish.net as something different. But it uh, has this kind of Allah. Yes. Uh, it has this kind of sultry, demented groove jam. Marco and Joe Russo really shined on this. Um, uh, where was it? Welcome Red, which closed the set. I talked a lot at the start of this episode around blog, like indie blog rock. This sounds like a like a bl- glitchy blog rock song like it feels like an indie rock song from 2005 um almost radiohead-esque and then uh we get cars trucks buses which mike shout out to mike for he excels at getting people to freak out about fish songs that they do not freak out about when fish (laughs) it's a very i i will will never forget the mike gordon band show i saw in 2010 when they played middle of the road a very middle of the road fish song i think they've only played it two or three times it's actually a really nice song it's got a good little riff uh very earwormy but like guy next to me just like lost his mind like lost his mind. I was like, just a song that you know, man. Just a song you know. Um, I, I want to highlight the incredible perps comment. Uh, Tab covers it too, right? They say, I assume about Akiko Maala, Trey was playing that in the 99 Trio Tour. Mm, thank you. So, yeah. Uh, Meg, what do you got on this second set and encore? I really liked the Scratchiti song. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's super trippy. Sure. It almost sounded like drum and bass. It was like it, totally. It was similar to how some of the jazz mandolin project stuff got into that towards like the end of the set too. And I really like that. I was I'm really into Portis Head and some of those like more like trip hop drum and bass stuff. And this sounded like that, and I got really into that. I also liked the Forever Nightshade Mary. I thought it was really pretty and Mike singing a few lines and the best part of it though, is it gets really quiet and someone just yells catapult. And I just yes. thought that was hilarious. Can I address the catapult guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy in the middle of another song, a quiet bit shouts catapult at a Mike Gordon show or not even a Mike Gordon show. I love him. So yeah, he has my heart. Fun. Just killed me when I was listening. Was like, Right? I was like, that guy. <laughs> so good. Yes. But yeah, Cars, uh, Trucks, Bus is super fun, but it is true. I think I, it's so true, Brian. Like when they play a song that like people recognize, they just like lose their minds. But it was fun to listen to. I've never listened to anything from the duo and I don't listen to a lot of Mike Gordon either. So this was, yeah, it was fun. I, I like me some Cars, Trucks, Buses, but it's definitely one of those songs that like it gets, <laughs> it gets like the clap when Fish plays it. It's not like yeah. people are like, oh my I'm God. I, love I liked it too, but I heard it. I'm I love the guy, it too. The loudest guy in the room. Probably. <laughs> well, that's that's me with Thunderhead, so I get it. I literally heard it 35 times in '95, I think. So I just I'm I'm good. I yeah, but it's it been too, a but... long time since 1995. We yeah, won't point out how been. long. But no, it's been a long time. 
I saw them so, open set two at the forum with it a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And it was, it was more head nods of, Ooh, we're in Los Angeles. And there are a lot of cars, trucks, and buses right outside right now. Funny, funny, funny. Um, it was, it was very cheeky from too. Trey. It's a great song. Great song. Um, all in all, this was a really good show. I think, um, while we dwelled a little bit on what was dwelt. happening in 2005, dwelt. I don't think we dwelled. I think we talked about it, which is important and what you have Thank to do you. that. You're right. We were being honest to what was happening yeah. in the world at the time. Um, the cool thing about this show and the cool thing about this year is that this really showcased what Mike Gordon brings to fish what he brought to fish at the time, what he represented as an artist. 66 steps was an album that was on constantly in my college house. I loved that record. Um, the grid man, that is still one of my favorite songs that anyone associated with fish has ever written. Um, and then this stuff here with the Benevento Russo duel was really inventive, really good sign as we're looking ahead towards 06, 07, 08, and these, especially 06, 07, where there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of darkness and a lot of, is this ever going to happen again? Probably not. Like there was a lot of acceptance by 06, 07 that we're just never going to see this band again and they're just never going to be in the same place and mentally, personally, health-wise. Really inspiring to see that Mike is still at this point in time pushing ahead artistically and it's music that not just filled everyone's cup in 2005, but it holds up today. Like you could go back to this jam and this show and be like, there's really good music being made outside of the world of fish, but still within that bubble. Totally agree. That's been one of the best things about this series is getting to listen to this music. So I'm excited about the next few years, even though there's going to be some hard stuff. Well, we don't have to pick the hard stuff, do we? No, um, we don't. <laughs> uh, and that's why I picked the show. It's, it's it's just it's a lot of fun. It's inventive. It's it's just plain different. Um, Fish, by the way, is welcome at any time to play a fifty minute foam. I yes, I dare you to do it, Fish. Um, do it. And anybody who disagrees with me, be quiet until you've heard it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't complain about the, the the request until they fulfill it. Um, yeah, I, I I think this is just a lot of fun. I'm glad uh, you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, and we get a couple weeks off before yeah. we have to talk about hard stuff again because we're going to be taking off while we're on fish tour, right? Yeah, well, well so taking off from this series. Yeah, and pausing we'll the series. Be back with some recaps and whatever we can manage to find time to do. Yeah, we will be back. Um, we don't know exactly what our schedule is. Boss hasn't sent over the exact assignments for our fish tour. He's he's announced them to the world, but uh, you know we're still waiting on exactly. <laughs> I fill out my time card in advance here. I, I get a little bit of PTO left. Um, yeah. No, but we will be covering summer tour in in shades and in in places and in ways, and and we will be talking about summer tour. There's it, it is um, there's no way to prevent the three of us and the four of us with RJ from when fish plays a show from being like, I got opinions. Okay. (laughs) They're the right opinions, but I've got them. That's how we all feel. And uh, we're going to come together and figure out which of those opinions we agree on, which of those we disagree on, how many of RJs are truly bad and how many of them are just moderately bad. You know, (laughs) they're usually really good. He just thinks he has bad. I know. 
Um, I, I want to say we have a comment in the chat that I, I want to acknowledge. Um, yeah. You know, Trey played last night, um, and James Casey is uh, not playing with the band, uh, but he did come out and sing "Ooh Child." If you've seen video of that, if you haven't, go find it. It's out there on the social media. Um, it's it's wonderful, and uh, you know we want to send our our thoughts to James and uh, you know, let's see him back in full strength as soon, as soon as he can. Yes. Very much so. He's an amazing spirit. And uh, I saw him just six, five months ago playing with a Phil and friends show here in Denver. And the Uh. dude singing lead on eyes of the world was a heart stopping moment. And uh, his, and his, his socks work throughout the show was incredible. So hope that he's able to get back on stage because he is not only an amazing musician, but by all accounts, a really good dude and uh, has a energy and a vibe to him that um, just fits this whole thing really, really well. Yeah. We need him in that tab lineup. He fits there. Perfect. We do. And I just want to say before we go, Incredible Perp, yes. We're going to have a live HF Pod event this summer. We'll be at the Ardmore before the Man Night 2 and possibly another one during the MSG run as well. So keep an eye out. Keep your eyes open, ears open, and, uh, you know, subscribe to every single social media. So all 50 apps have them constantly reloading and you'll you'll find some information somewhere. (laughs) Absolutely. And we will be back on August 11th with 40 for 40. So we're going to mm-hmm. be covering fish tour between now and then, but August 11th is 40 for 40 comes back with 2006. RJ has the show to pick for 2006. Oh, I've already boy. tried to, already tried to tilt, uh, where we're going to go with it. Brian? I've got a, I've got a show I want to hear from 2006. Um, but we'll see what he does. We'll see, we'll see what happens. And then, uh, we'll be going through, the rest of fish history until we get to 2023 by the end of 2023. So thank you everyone for hanging with us here. Thank you for everyone for supporting us. We will see you all on summer tour in just a week. See y'all. See everyone. Bye guys. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, 
And my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.